World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Creepypasta listeners, this is your host, Jeff Kowalski. It's the normal show that we do every week. I don't know why I insist on being like, this episode, it's not special. Don't listen to it. Just go back and listen to the Slenderman episode. That one was special. No, this is going to be a good one. I have two brand new guests, and we're going to talk about a brand new movie. In fact, I'll probably uh, release this, like, this week, so that uh, if you want to see the movie, you can, because it's probably not going to make a lot of money, because it's a prequel to a movie nobody liked. Uh, we're talking about Ouija. Ouija? Uh, I should have decided on a pronunciation beforehand. I've been going with Ouija. Uh, the origin of that word is whoever was working for Hasbro or Parker Brothers or whatever at the time, I know it's Hasbro now, I don't know who it was back in the day, uh, wanted two uh, affirmative words in other languages, and he picked we and ya, so it should be pronounced we ya, but I'm not doing that. I guess I'll alternate between Ouija and Ouija, depending on how the mood strikes me. Anyway, I have two guests with me, both of them brand new to the podcast, because it is surprisingly difficult to uh, find people who are willing to go spend $12 on a movie that they might not like, uh, like, for example, Ouija Origin of Evil, which is a total shock that it was any good. Uh, anyway, brand new to the show, I have Will Ashton. Howdy. And Derek Sotak. Hello. Okay, now we're going to get into the meat of this movie, so if you don't want to be spoiled for it, uh, first off, don't watch the original Ouija, because all the plot points of this one are spoiled by that one, because uh, <laughs> this is a prequel which explains the origin of the ghost from that movie, so you already know that it's not going to end well for uh, someone Uh so go see this movie because it's pretty good. Don't watch the original because you don't really have to. Uh, and while well, I don't know, maybe it's good. It has like a four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so I skipped it. Uh, it's not good. I've seen it. Yeah, it's that's the general consensus is either it's tolerable or it's bad, which uh, that's not a shining recommendation. Yeah, I heard a more glowing recommendation about a board game movie recently. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's like so, it's like not the, the worst, but. It's not like the best like it just it's just it's just yeah. a whole lot of nothing really the first movie is like jumanji the best board game movie out there mm, probably this this would be a strong contender i think yeah i'd, I'd say it's between like that and uh maybe sathura mm. oh yeah sathura is really dope i was surprised at how much i enjoyed that yeah it's but uh who's dax shepherd is there yep yeah. Uh, he was not famous at the time, and I was just like, who's this guy who looks like Zach Braff that's in the <laughs> space Jumanji? Uh, uh, anyway, uh, we're talking about Ouija Origin of Evil, and we're going to talk with full spoilers, so go see it if you want to, or don't. I'm not the boss of you. Uh, so, who wants to kick off uh, with the, the long rambling synopsis of this movie that will comprise most of the rest of the show? I had totally forgotten this was a prequel to another movie when I went saw it so that's, that's a plus walking in uh okay let's uh let's well you can start off at the at the the top of the movie i i assume you're most well prepared as as a film critic of some uh of some experience yeah of like a couple years i guess um let's see where did this begin i should note that i saw like four movies yesterday like back to back to back to back so if i like start talking about like columbine shootings and medea and stuff just stop me because i saw a bunch of um yeah so this movie it starts off in 1967 i believe right los angeles 1967 yep um yeah get reference every 10 minutes when they watch something about the moon landing or they seem yeah. to be moon landing yeah uh, as soon as right, as soon as it says 1967 on screen there's a conversation between two teens being like oh i don't think we could ever land on the moon that's crazy and someone else being like it's right there why don't we just land on the moon wink yeah, someone said groovy at one point like 1967 am i yeah. right guys what a year <laughs> yeah uh, other than the sort of winking dialogue the sets and cars and costumes are all really nice so yeah, I, thought I, I forgive great. it a little bit yeah 
Um, yeah, so it's 1967, and we start the movie <laughs> off with um, uh, a spirit dweller of some kind with uh, a clearly like disturbed man and his skeptical daughter, and they're trying to some. I guess like his uh, his wife, the widow of the, the, the yeah. There's like a wife that was passed, and he has this um, like housing deal or something, uh, and they're trying to summon her to make sure it's like cool and that everything was fine when they passed. And the daughter is like, "Oh, this is this is." this isn't real but then he's like really into it and they have these candles and they're like if the candle goes out that means yes if the candle still burns and like flickers or whatever that means uh no i think or did i get that backwards uh if the candle goes out it means no uh so if it's it like flickers and stays on to mean yes i i feel like it could just do nothing to mean yes but it it flickers and stays on right um so i think he first asked like if she is in pain and she wasn't um did anyone remember the second question uh oh it was uh do you forgive me i think yeah it was something like that uh and I think that was like a yes. Yeah. Um, and then the last one was like, hey, I have this big housing deal and I, it, we're going to get a good deal on it. And I just want to make sure that's OK if I do this. And that's when the daughter was really starting to get skeptical because like the table started to shake and there was like this shadowy figure uh, behind these. Curtains. Yeah, he's, he's like, should I lend my daughter's uh, sleazy boyfriend all of my money? Uh, <laughs> and the, the ghost uh, blows out the candle uh, and then the daughter's like, no, this is fake. And. Uh, they do a big jump scare on the daughter and everyone like runs out of the house. Right. The daughter is yeah. actually played by uh, director Mike Flanagan's real life wife, Kate. Oh, yeah. yeah, she's the one who was in Hush. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Who I guess he cheated on his previous wife, who was the star of Absentia with sometime during the course of that film while she was pregnant with this baby. It's a little, uh, the oh, kind of behind the scenes stuff is a bit scandalous between the I Mike Flanagan films. Yeah, that's weird. I knew they were uh, married. I didn't realize that there was so much behind the scenes drama. Oh, between like. So Absentia, his wife, was pregnant and started that as the pregnant woman. And then sometime between Hush and uh, Oculus, uh, it's a little something, something went on behind the scenes there. And whoops, so much for that marriage. <laughs> uh, what happens next in this movie? We're just yeah. after the, the opening scene. Oh, and then it's revealed that it's all fake. Yeah, it's all fake. And she's like, there goes that $5. And she starts talking to her two daughters. One is about, uh, like, maybe somewhere between, like, a preteen and a teenager, like like thirteen, fourteen, um, and the other one is. I think I think her age is stated. Uh, she angrily uh, states that she's fifteen at one point when she oh, really? storms okay. out. Yeah, I remember the other daughter is nine because they saved yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a fifteen year old daughter and a nineteen year old daughter or nine year old daughter. Um, uh, the fifteen year old's still kind of like, eh, I don't know if we should be doing this kind of stuff, and their mom's like, No, no, like we're tricking them, yeah, but like we're helping these people you know, accept death and, you know, helping them move on with their lives. What we're doing is good. And then it's revealed, I think, in the next scene that they're Catholics because they go to a Catholic church or like a Catholic school yeah. is where they tend. And then there's uh, like a hottie pants priest by the name of like Father Ryan or something like that. Father Kid from E.T. Yeah. <laughs> Father yeah, he's totally like Daddy Handsome, like yeah. absolutely like uh, he's the sexy priest and it's a little upsetting to find out that he's also the kid for BT. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he grew up well. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, well, and there's uh, the kids are not doing well in school or is that only after the haunting? Um, I guess they're well, both doing well in school. The youngest daughter just gets picked on because right. her mother has this weird job, especially for a Catholic school. Oh yeah, all the kids are like, you're a witch, you're a witch. Yeah, that's pretty much. And then the daughter's kind of, I guess, her friends just accept it. They like because uh, they play like when she goes over to their house, like she like jokes about, it and they always like, yeah, whatever. So, and that's when they introduce the Ouija for the first time in the the, the actual movie because they go, they're drinking, they're playing, uh, like they're. Yeah, it's it's on a pile of other Hasbro games. But yeah, they're like, ooh, but it's dark. 
out. So let's play Ouija and get some like really luxurious. Like I can see the executive being like, "Oh yeah, that's the shot of a movie right there." Shot right there. Yeah, some like slow pans (laughs) over the board and the accessories and the rules sheet. Yeah, because Uh, it it seems like the for the most part, Mike Mike Fangen got to pretty much do whatever he wanted with this movie, which is good. I think it's one of the reasons why it works. But I think that was one of those shots like make sure you linger on that game nice and slow <laughs> make sure at least at a minimum slow. five minutes of the mention of the right. ouija game and other than that go crazy and do whatever you want yeah yeah there uh there's there's rules i don't know i've never played or like interacted with ouija board in any way uh are those are, are those rules that are stated in the movie is that part of the game or were those made up for the first movie uh i think those are the actual rules i mean like i don't know if they're like unspoken rules if they're or just like i don't know i've never really like read the rule book to a Ouija uh, thing. I don't think you need a book for those three rules. Right. The book, piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the rules are never play alone, never play in a graveyard, and always say goodbye. Yeah. Um, Which, I don't know and, why you're playing in a graveyard or playing it by yourself anyway. Like, yeah. That's just, like, yeah. if you're playing it by yourself, that's just sad. I mean... They, <laughs> they make a big deal about the breaking of the first two rules, but at no point do we see them say goodbye to the spirits they're contacting. Well, that's why there's all this trouble in the yeah, film. Yeah. If they said goodbye, there'd be no movie here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so they play on the Ouija board, which is fairly entertaining. And gets uh, super drunk, apparently. Yeah, there's like the one girl who's just after every little thing it goes, oh my god. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's very entertaining. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, yeah, that whole little scene is clearly just to set up that Ouija boards are just like a fake goofy thing and they don't work. Uh, and they establish that very effectively. Well, I was reading so are actually, one of these kids supposed to be the woman from the first movie, which I read about on Wikipedia as being sort of the crossover part. Oh yeah. The, uh, the teen girl is the, an old lady who's, uh, in the first movie. Uh, and the younger sister is, uh, spoiler alert, the ghost from the first movie. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they're like, oh, as soon as they're introduced, if you're for some reason a fan of the Ouija franchise, you'll be like, oh, I recognize the, uh, the name Doris. That's the ghost from the first movie. Or I recognize, uh, what's the older sister's name? Alice? With an L? Lena. Lena Zander. Uh, I recognize Lena as that old lady who told them to cut the threads, yada yada. Uh, anyway, they, uh, what, what, what's, uh, what's after the, um, what's after, after the little fake out we just seen here? Uh, the uh, mother comes and busts yeah. them, and then oh yeah, Leela gets sent home with her mom and starts talking about the Ouija board. And the mom has this fantastic idea the next day, like, oh, let me go down to the old Hasbro store and pick up this <laughs> brand new board game. Well, I mean, to be fair, the daughter did say like, hey, you should have that Ouija board. It's pretty cool, and it'd be a good attraction for your thing. And she's like, ah, our act is getting awfully stale. If only the great yeah. Hasbro game company made some sort of item that we could <laughs> use to spice things up. Yeah, this whole thing as a licensed product is really interesting because they're trying to sell us this uh, like children's ghost toy on the premise that if you use it you will get killed by demons <laughs> and that it's real and that it works and that you will definitely die if you use it. Yeah. Which seems counterintuitive, but I guess because it's filtered through a movie and like demons and ghosts don't contact people through Ouija boards, uh, it's like, I guess people will make that connection and be like, oh, I think it'll be really spooky to use. Yeah, I mean, I'm no marketing expert, but that just makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the biggest issue with the film. It's like, I think it's a film that just works more than it doesn't. But as a commercial, yeah. it is kind of troubling because it's like, well, what, what exactly are you trying to say as like a product? <laughs> like, if you want to sell this, like, are you like, yeah, it's cool. It works. And it may just kill you and your whole family if you don't use it right. So follow these rules, I guess, or don't. So does... Does Hasbro just have 
a deal with Michael Bay that he gets a producer credit on all of their movies because he makes Transformers. Uh, did uh, Platinum Dunes make Battleship? Uh, did they? This is uh, Hasbro Studios has to their credit Ouija, Gem and the Holograms, and Ouija Origin of Evil. Platinum Dunes, I do not. Uh, it looks like Platinum Dunes ha- is is Michael Bay's, uh, and they have just Ouija on their on their credit. Uh, just the two Ouija movies. Yeah, because Platinum Dunes, uh, is- as far as Hasbro goes. Yeah, because Platinum Dunes like primarily a horror company, I think. So mm. I, don't, I don't think. Yeah, so I guess that makes sense. That because yeah. uh, that's is that that's Michael Bay's uh, one of Michael Bay's various production companies. I assume. Yeah, yeah. they like made like they made yeah. a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I remember. Um, yeah, they have. Uh, uh, two of those, a couple uh, Ninja Turtles and all the Purge movies, uh, and, Nightmare uh, yeah, and Nightmare. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Amityville Horror. Yeah, they they got a bunch. They got a bunch on here. Yeah, so uh, I guess it's just kind of a a nice uh, marriage of pre-existing working relationships rather than some kind of weird deal. Seems like it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, God, I got sidetracked again. They, oh, they, uh, there's an ominous, the, the, see, I caught this watching the movie and was like, oh, that's going to come back later. It's 1967. It shouldn't be that big of a deal for a 15 year old to like have a couple drinks. And the mom is like super mad about it. So I'm like, oh, their absent father definitely like died from booze or something. And then, yeah, it's revealed later he was run down by a drunk driver. Uh, so that's a, a surprising bit of subtlety for a Hasbro Studios production <laughs> to have uh, sort of that family dynamic there. And it's all these little touches that sort of bring out the the quality of the film. That's mm, That was a weird way to word it. You get what I mean. <laughs> Do you think they put that much thought into that part exactly? Or that one just happened to be a coincidence, though? <laughs> and that's just uh it's like a fine little example like even if it was not intentional in the script it's a choice that the actors made mm-hmm. um which i appreciated uh and then where after that uh what happens when they oh they bring the ouija board home and do they use it on a customer before uh doris gets her hands on it or no the mom yeah. tests it out and like puts the metallic glue on the bottom so she can move it around with her legs and then plays around with it. And for some reason, Doris upstairs is the one that starts channeling, which I don't know where that's the case, but uh, she just Uh, left out, I suppose. It's because, which was revealed in like a throwaway line, there's like dead bodies under their house, like poltergeist style. So they're breaking the cardinal rule of never playing a graveyard, uh, which I guess just allows the daughter to be haunted. Yeah, but why why her and not the other daughter or the mom? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is that something with the fact that she's the youngest? Yeah, it could be. Maybe? Uh, that's that's the uh, I think that's the excuse given in Poltergeist where yeah. the girl has a sibling. And Conjuring uh, too. Uh, I haven't seen the Conjurings. Uh, actually, maybe you can settle a uh, decision for me. I have to decide. I can get Conjuring and Conjuring Two for nine dollars, or all three Insidious movies for ten dollars. Hmm. I'd go Conjuring. I mean, I haven't seen Insidious 3, but I mean, I thought Insidious 1 and 2 were more rewarding than the Insidious movies. Mm, okay. Derek, I've have seen you got the first of each, and I liked Insidious 1 better than Conjuring 1, but that's mm. all the info I have on that. I was trying to figure out why I keep conflating those movies. It's because Patrick Wilson is in both of them. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is he in two of the like Haunted Child movies? That doesn't seem uh, fair. I think because Insidious 1 and Conjuring 1 and 2 were directed by uh, James Wong. So I guess he was just like, Um, you work. You're good. Yeah. (laughs) We're friends now. You know what you're Uh, doing. You you show up on time. You say your lines, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's... uh, People like to crap on on Michael Bay for uh, the terrible movies that he directs and often produces. Uh, But I don't know. He's doing the work. (laughs) There must be... He must just have, like, a good work ethic. (laughs) If he's still getting all this work, it must just be, like, he signs the checks. He shows up an hour early and gets everyone donuts. He's just a good that boss, despite not doing too good work. <laughs> it's like a lot, right? Super At this loaded. point, he can coast. But. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, we're, we were talking about Ouija Origin of Evil. That's what... Uh, you don't have to check your podcast app. That's still the episode <laughs> that's playing. <laughs> uh, so they... Uh, yeah, this was the first uh, really... The first supernatural scare that we get is the daughter channeling. Uh, she's giving the answers that are being uh, that the to the questions the mother is asking, um, even though the board is not doing them. Yeah, that's uh, how these work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're never given uh, any advice. Oh, that's. I guess she's breaking two rules because she's playing in a graveyard and alone. Um, so as punishment afterwards too. So yeah, exactly. As, as punishment for shredding that uh, rule pamphlet, her daughter gets totally uh, grabbed by the ghoulies. Um, uh, what is the next scene? Uh, <laughs> I want to say something at school, but I don't know. Mm. Is that wait? Because we also forgot to establish that uh, the oldest daughter has a thing for the one boy who she plays uh, Ouija with. Oh yeah, and, and he uses the Ouija board to uh, ask her to homecoming. Right, and I know like there's a scene early on where like they meet up. and He's like, "Hey, like, were you for real about the Ouija thing? Like, I know that was the spirits talking and all, but I kind of want to go on homecoming with you. Would you be interested?" And she was like, "Yeah." And that's kind of like the end of that scene. And so, or and then I think the principal or the father comes. I think then one. Oh yeah, yeah. The, uh, the principal, sexy priest. Like yeah. when the uh, the two kids are like about sexy to switch. Yeah. Save room for that Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of little fun moments of comedy, which is weird for a movie about a family being butchered by uh, Nazi ghosts. <laughs> um, we'll get to the Nazi ghosts later because that's the one major problem I have with the movie, or really uh, lack thereof. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Uh, anyway, we uh, so okay, I'm on the Wikipedia page, and we have not even gotten to the end of the first paragraph of plot. Uh, it says here, that night, Doris uses the board alone and contacts a spirit. Uh, okay, and oh, then... Yeah. yeah. And then we get... She's, like, smiling and laughing, and then we get some school stuff where, uh, the daughter, the young daughter, Doris, has been doing her schoolwork in cursive, even though she don't know cursive. Yeah, she's nine. She doesn't know cursive yet. That's, like, a whole other year of school because... But do they even teach cursive anymore? Am I right? Well, this is the sixth <laughs> So I guess they're teaching it at some point. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have any way to unless, write like, anything unless, else. Unless the Catholic Church was like, no, nah, that's devil writing. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. It's like, oh, you can't write efficiently. It's not of God. <laughs> God writes straight lines. Doesn't do left. You call God does not call that a Z. Yeah, that's not of the Rafani. You cannot write in this way. Uh, that's uh, yeah. So she uh, homework in cursive. Mom gets called in. Uh, oh, and then Doris uh, uses the Ouija board to talk to uh, dead dad again and brings out. A big uh, bank envelope full of cash, conveniently, just as their house is going to be foreclosed on. Like, they come home to a foreclosure sign, and we saw, uh, like, an insert earlier with no dialogue of the mom just, like, sweating over a bunch of bills, like an infomercial. Uh, and then, yeah, she finds a bunch of money in the basement wall in uh, a surprisingly tense scene. Uh, what's, uh, what's next? Mm. Oh, then she's like, oh, yeah, the Ouija board, I can use it to talk to Dad. Uh, and then they all do it. They all go and use the Ouija board and the planchette, uh, the little pointer guy, moves on its own. Uh, and it answers a question that only the dad would know. Uh, the mom asks it, uh, where were you when I told you that I was pregnant with Lena? Uh, and it answers shower, and she's like, oh god, it must be Roger. So this that whole part uh, brings up a kind of uh, timeline issue. So the daughter's 15 years old. She would have told her pregnant, say, 16 years old. If it took place in 1967, that means it was 1951 when that happened. So the Nazi doctor escaping from Germany after 1947 lived in the house, maybe you know, three years, or like, maybe moved out a year before they moved in, or died a year before they moved in. Oh, yeah, because it all happened. Uh, well, there was, um, I think they bring this up, that, um, 
the ghost answers that question about um, when they, like, because they were thinking of it and the ghost can read their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not sure. And everything that happened in the house since they had moved in. Yeah, so, so maybe... It's just ghosts. It remembers these things, I suppose. Yeah, the, either the ghost, uh, either they moved in, like, right after that Nazi tortured all those people to death. He died or... on Monday, they moved in on Thursday, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, it's a cheap house! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it was the, the ghost's mind-rating superpower that mm-hmm. it also has that it doesn't really need because it has the all these other superpowers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just sort of that general sense of foreboding uh, about the entire movie because, you, like, it takes place a long time ago. You know, most or all of the characters are going to die by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's just this, like, no matter how w- many weaknesses they find with the ghosts, they're not going to win. So that's sort of interesting that Isn't they would even. That's the problem with all prequels, pretty much, that you know how they're yep. going to turn out. Yeah, like, it doesn't, like, there's no point in making Anakin likable, you know he's just gonna be Darth Vader. <laughs> exactly. Although I'm pretty sure his unlikability was not on purpose. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is when the daughter, the Doris writes in, uh, Polish, and they're doing all the, uh, f- there's like a montage of scanning people, right? Of scanning that, people? Yeah, yeah, what do you they, mean by that? Uh, they, they scam the people oh, with the Ouija board. Scam, yeah, sorry. I think they like, scan. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess yeah. if they're talking about ghosts, they're not really scamming people. Or they yeah, don't think they're true. scamming them, at least. Yeah, they think they're really, really contacting ghosts at this point. Yeah, right. Um, oh, and then we get uh, probably my favorite shot in, in the movie. No, it's not my favorite, but it's up there, because I just thought of the actual my favorite shot. Uh, when the daughter looks through the planchette, and that's it's really tense, because you know she's going to see a boogeyman. Um, and she gets... Uh, she has like a pain in her neck, and she gets she goes over to the mirror and looks through the planchette and sees a demon has grabbed her by the neck, and it's Doug Jones in computer makeup, uh, and he shoves his gross, like oily hand down her throat, and her mouth gets stretched with a very, very, very bad special effect, uh, and she like bends over backwards like more than ninety degrees, and it's really cool. Is it part of the Ouija mythos that demons grab your the back of your neck, and that's why the back of your neck hurts? Mm, I uh, guess so. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I remember they established in the last movie is that like the whole sewing mouth thing was in the last one, but I don't remember anything about necks in the first movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the the sewing the mouth thing uh, starts showing up eventually because uh, after the daughter's possessed, she is seen like whispering in some kind of demon language. Uh, she whispers to other people and makes them be demons, too. Uh, that's really cool and interesting, because, uh, you usually just see when someone's possessed, they just, like, kill somebody. But it's very cool to have them, like, they know the exact combination of words to sort of seduce their soul to evil. Yeah, so I guess I kind of took away from the Ouija thing that the Ouija board is a metaphor for talking to strangers on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) and i sort of the demon thing being you can quote unquote like download a demon if you're goofing around on the internet and then the demon can talk to other people through this machine code and they get possessed too by the demon Mm, i'm going way off the reservation here this is this is all madness stuff that was my least favorite episode of buffy to be honest Uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's definitely feels like there's more intention going into this than you might expect, uh, and then was probably, like, I'm sure most of the decisions in the first movie were like, "Mm, what would look super scary, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of the decisions in this movie were probably like, what would, how, how would a, like, Catholic demon work? Mm-hmm. Like, how would the ultimate evil actually function with its supernatural power to control people? And, like, how would that control manifest? Uh, and, well, because this movie was made by filmmakers, and the last movie was... I don't know who made it. No one will ever know who made it. A team of marketing talking to the coolest 13-year-olds in school. 
Yeah, probably some, like, really haggard, like, young directors and writers who feel really bad for taking that paycheck at the end of the day. Uh, Just trying to get their foot in the door, they'll do anything it takes. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, like, when I talk about a movie being awful and bad, uh, as I have done many times in the past, I never begrudge the people who made it, because, like, they got a job to do. Uh, like, if, like, I, uh... I send out warranty repairs for hearing aids. If someone's hearing aid doesn't work, I don't feel bad about that. I'm just doing the thing. Like, it's not... Like, I will do the best job I can, and if it goes well, good. And I feel like that is the same thing that uh, these people who have to make even the, like, Netflix knockoff Ouija movies, which... Oh, boy. The Asylum Sci-Fi Channel original movie. Yeah. It'll come out in a couple weeks. We've got Ouija Experiment and Ouija Experiment 2 Ouija Resurrection. There you go. Uh, which uh, both came out before this movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. I I don't know how they get away with that. That would be like calling your movie the Transformers Experiment. Like, Ouija is a trade. That's a trademarked word. It's a holy They misspell it. They spell it the same way. Maybe they just figured, like, no one's. They're not going to waste it. Maybe there's, like, before we're like, oh, it's not Ouija, it's Ouija. Yeah. It's the Ouija story. Yeah, it's. Ouija. Yeah. Our movie is Ouija. It's nothing like that one. Uh, so, where were we in this movie? Oh, daughter just got possessed. Uh, what happens next? Uh, she goes to school, and one of the the kids that are picking on her, she totally makes them shoot themselves in the eye with a slingshot. Oh, yeah, I liked that. A real reverse Dennis the Menace type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, this young actress is not, uh, good at everything that they have her do in this movie, but she is very good at, uh, like, putting her chin to her chest and looking menacingly at people, like, with a scowl on her face. Um, there's a moment that I think is around this time where the older sister's boyfriend comes over, um, but not when he gets, uh, like, dead by the demon uh when he comes over the first time and the uh when doris delivers that weird speech about what it feels like to be uh suffocated yeah yeah uh did that moment work for you guys i liked it i thought it was a good like dark comedy moment and i think i thought Mm. the way like she delivered it and stuff was genuinely pretty creepy especially like for a nine-year-old like the confidence that she had in that line and like i mean i don't know how many takes they did or whatever but (laughs) i thought like i thought it was pretty well done i liked that the boyfriend was just like Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun little uh I I liked that it I felt like her delivery could have been genuinely terrifying. I didn't mind the scene ultimately because it sort of gets played for a laugh. Uh and it was well written. Um but it's like a, like a bit long too. Like yeah. if it was shorter. Yeah. Like I feel like by that. the point she talked for two minutes, the the boyfriend would have been like, Alright, I'm out of here. Enough with you, wacko kid. Yeah. <laughs> um I feel like maybe it would have been a little better if it had cut away from her at a couple points. I just didn't feel like the strength of her performance was uh, doing things of that nature. Well, 50% of her performance is her hairdo, so... Yeah, that's fair. Like, they all have little 60s flipped-out little shoulder-length bobs. Like, uh, we get it, you watch a lot of Mad Men episodes, okay. (laughs) They probably hired some of those people who did the hair and costumes for Mad Men. I totally believe it. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, well, this show's done, what are we gonna do? Hey, (laughs) you like Ouija? I guess I do now. (laughs) For the right price, I'll like anything set between the year of 1958 in 1969. <laughs> uh, I like money. That was printed in 1960. <laughs> uh, so then they... Oh, they now they find the uh, Polish paper uh, and they bring it to uh, Father Tom, which apparently is his name. I did not glean a name from him. His performance was good. I enjoyed that character and the sort of like budding but 
budding non-romance with the mom. Yeah, we didn't talk about there. the hot date they went on in the incredibly smoky restaurant that no one was smoking in. <laughs> yeah, it was very weird because like they're at this dinner to talk about, I guess, the daughters at school, and the mom's like, "Yeah, my dead husband used to bring me here," and the guy's like, "Yeah, my dead wife used to bring me here," and they're both like, "Oh, we should date," but I mean, we can't. Oh well. That's a bummer. Yeah, because I'm pretty hot, and you're. You're not looking too bad yourself there. Yeah, it's uh, it's like I, I my my thing about all these movies about kids and ghosts is I just wanted to be about the adults because they have so much more interesting relationships. This movie manages to avoid that because um, uh, what's her face Elizabeth Reeser? No, nope, Annalise Basso. That's uh, Lena, right? Yeah. She did. She does a really good job uh, in this movie, and she also played uh, young. Karen Gillan in Oculus mm -hmm. from the same director. It's like usually when they throw a bunch of kids or teens in a movie, you'll hate a good portion of them, but I didn't yeah. dislike anybody in this film. Yeah, I feel like uh, all the actors brought their A-game, uh, and I appreciated the fact that they were willing to like, I, I forgive this movie a bunch of problems because everyone genuinely tried, even though they really, really didn't have to. <laughs> right. This is like the opposite like, of uh, The Darkness. Did you guys see The Darkness? No, I was gonna rent it at the library today, but I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and it had 4%. Yeah, like, The Darkness is, like, basically what this movie would have been like if it was bad. The like, one with Kevin Bacon? Yeah. It's like, the kids are annoying, the parents are, like, ineffective, and, like, just waste Kevin Bacon's time, and it's just like it's like the same kind of structure too like it's like it's like some like cave spirit instead of a Ouija board but it's like kind of the same plot structure and it's just like looking back on that film after seeing Ouija it's like oh so if that movie was good <laughs> this is basically what it would have been did you guys get the preview for the movie also starring that kid and it seems pretty much the same but it has Thomas Jane basically he does what they do in the cell to go into the minds of demon possessed people no what is this Incarnate, I want to see this what's it is called that, is Incarnate that I think Incarn I think I did see the yeah I think I did see the preview for that yeah. I don't know how it left my mind so quickly it's like did you like the cell do you like Thomas Jane do you like demon possession do you like that like kid from Gotham things. in that other movie uh, he doesn't have the credit on his Wikipedia yet oh. unless it's Aww. before I wake maybe might be that uh, movie was like that was, that, was, that was like one of Regency's movies before they went bankrupt so maybe they changed the title uh, and it was, it was also funded by the WWE or WWF one of those this, their movie division the WTF yeah. WWE Films who uh, produced Oculus which stars zero wrestlers there you go <laughs> yeah uh, it's not before yeah, I don't think it's before I wake yeah uh, yeah, Mike Flanagan also directed this Thomas Jane movie that I clicked on trying to find the one you were talking about uh, <laughs> before I wake. Uh, he's all over the place, man. Uh, anyway, uh, now we finally get into the third act of the movie, right? Where everyone starts getting murdered? Mm -hmm. mm, More or less, okay. yeah. Yeah, uh, the boyfriend comes over, uh, Doris is like, hey, come down to the basement and look in my secret money room, uh, and then, uh... Like, you weren't creepy before. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he's like, um, sure, I guess I'll follow you into the basement. This is, oh, the priest comes over and is like, uh, yeah, let's do a Ouija board reading with Doris, and then is like, let's go upstairs to talk about how your other daughter is bad at school, wink, 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 wink. Uh, and they go upstairs, and he's like, yeah, I tricked your daughter, uh, I, here, <clears throat> oh boy, I don't know how to explain the extremely convoluted ghost plot. But here's where the movie explains it by having the characters just tell us with words. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole thing where, like, she whispers in the people's ears, and, like, she did it to the daughter, but she, like, woke up, and then doesn't she do that to, like, the boyfriend that actually works on him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the medical bag full of IDs out of the wall and finds the skull in the wall. 
Yeah, this is while the priest is explaining that before they lived in this house, it was a Nazi doctor uh, who escaped Germany, and he encountered people who were in the concentration camp where he was doing torturous medical experiments, and they also escaped to America, coincidentally, like, right down the street, and so he kidnaps them and puts them in a secret room in the basement and continues torturing them to death, uh, and then their ghosts are the demon or something? No, it's, there's also demons. It's just incompetent. Yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> I forgot. There's also demons there because Marcus mentions something in the house that is... Uh, oh, sorry. Marcus is the uh, Holocaust survivor ghost who uh, gives like his journal through Doris by possession and that's like the Polish pages she wrote out uh, just saying this out loud makes me feel insane <laughs> yeah. and also um, the demons were the ones that were in the house the whole time so that's how they knew about the shower thing and stuff that's how they were able to trick uh, the mom and stuff into thinking they were actual the dad and stuff yeah uh, Doug Jones is credited as ghoul Marcus slash devil's doctor so the like tall uh, like red-eyed, black, oily demon is both a an evil Nazi torturer and a Holocaust survivor who are torturing this family to death. Uh, and that's my biggest problem with the movie is that uh, if I w- interpreted the words of the movie correctly, the Nazis and their victims have teamed up to murder a Catholic <laughs> family for some reason. <laughs> Uh, like, is that is that what happened? Were they I mean, like, oh no, like, we so we both kind of ghosts around. Let's just team up. I mean, we're both bad, but we didn't like. We're not, <laughs> we're not this bad, jeez. Yeah, it's it's so. They're weird ripping those people that... off. How dare they? <laughs> I mean, we're Nazis, sure, but like, we didn't anybody. <laughs> It's, yeah, like, I guess the justification uh, would be on the other end that it would be like, uh, Nazis hate Catholics, and uh, Jews don't like people getting scammed out of money? Like, I don't, it's already oh, offensive right enough. It's already <laughs> offensive enough that they're being, like, ghosts of Holocaust survivors are murdering a family, mm. but I want to know what their justification in story is, because well, they don't really give it. Were those ghosts murdering people, or were the the ghost trying to help them by explaining the plot via this letter. I guess maybe, but when they go into the basement and Doris is speaking with another voice, she says uh, that, like, we're all still here and now we're going to torture you uh, like we got tortured. Uh, maybe that was just one guy who was a real <laughs> jerk. <laughs> yeah, Marcus was a real dick of a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> <laughs> the Nazis are like, you know, we don't like Jews in general, but I don't know. Something about this guy is... <laughs> yeah, specifically... Actually, not kosher. Uh, oh, boy. I don't think that's... I don't think they'd say that. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, yeah, he's not kosher, which is good. He's <laughs> we a very laid-back, culturally aware <laughs> Nazis right now. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they say, like, Yiddish slang every once right. in a while. <laughs> so I like that the trailers for the film included Doug Jones dressed as a Mike Mignola-esque Hellboy Nazi surgeon guy wandering around, and yet, nope, not at all featured in the film. Oh, I didn't even notice that in the trailer. Oh, yeah, he's like him playing himself as a Nazi doctor. Oh, that's awesome. Spooky demon. But if you want to see it in the movie, the you can't do it unless you watch the deleted scenes, I guess. I, I don't know. It might not be a deleted scene. It might be a paranormal activity type thing where they filmed scenes just to put in the trailer. Oh, well, that's that's even better. Yeah, I hate. I think specifically horror movie franchises do that, and it really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so my favorite shot of the movie is when the boyfriend is digging through the wall, and we see Doris over his shoulder, and there's one part where her head is just sort of twitching side to side, and she has this like huge manic Joker grin on her face, and her eyes are just like two white dots. That was so unsettling to look at. Uh, yeah, I host a creepypasta podcast, and some of the crappy creepypastas, uh, the, like, tropes still work on me. Um, yeah, then they all go into the basement and totally get murdered by demons. 
the that's, end. <laughs> like, is there anything else we want to say about it? Uh, well, I mean, she did visit the father, and that's how like something happened. Like, that's she got. Oh yeah, there. that was cool. the The dad save the dad ghost was there the whole time and saves Lena. And she tries to sew the mouth. In like a like kind of like Sam Raimi s scene where she's like open the mouth's like open like all this stuff's coming out and she's like she sees like the eye from Lord of the Rings she's like nope got to sew this mouth up it's not not good and then yeah, like, in the it's, process it's really she like bizarre. gets thrown across the wall or something and then like the mom is in like she's like chained up I forget how she got chained up but um, uh, Doris, Doris locked did her it up. yeah. Which is a stretch that a nine-year-old could... Yeah. <laughs> she's got demons to pull her around with. She's got demon power. Yeah, she's full of demon juice. But like, she's like, uh, she's like three foot two. <laughs> <laughs> she's three foot two of pure demonic power. And in this corner, we have a sad, unconscious mom. Uh, yeah, the Lena has to sew her sister's mouth shut with Nazi torture tools. Because she saw uh, the doll, like the doll had the mouth sewn shut. That was when her dad was talking and said, "Yeah, the dad was trying to warn uh, warn her that you have to sew the mouth shut to stop the uh, demonic whispers that Doris is making, uh, thus trapping the demon inside her." Um, so she does this, but because the movie's PG thirteen, we don't actually have to see a needle pierce a little girl's skin. Uh, and yeah, you were right to call it Sam Raimi esque because like all the demons are like grabbing her and either helping her or trying to stop her it's hard to tell uh as she just like jerkily like down up down up down yeah. up done yeah like that's not how you sew anyone's mouth shut yeah for like, me oh, that's not how you sew a mouth shut like a lot of wind is blowing everywhere people are getting thrown against walls and like all this stuff yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised if you said that was like directly Raimi inspired that one mm-hmm. scene yeah, or like maybe some uh, reanimator in there also. Yeah, with the whole, like portal to the underworld being opened up in a guy's guts. Yeah, uh, that movie's crazy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she sews the mouth shut, and we thankfully see the little girl's ghost next to the dad's ghost. She's not like possessed anymore. Her ghost gets to go to heaven, and we see. Uh, the sister is like really. Uh, oh no! Does it? It just smash cuts to the mom waking up, and the uh, Lena's over in the corner, like upset, and Doris is just there, dead. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then mom is like, oh no, I'm sad. Lena comes over and is like, I had to do it. Uh, and then Lena's eyes go white as we hear a squishy stabbing noise. And she has stabbed her mom in the guts with one of the Nazi torture tools. Uh, and in probably the most uh, genuinely upsetting bit of acting I've seen in my uh, month of horror movies so far... She despairs over her mother's murdered corpse for a, yeah for a couple minutes while the mom is like it wasn't you it's not your fault and that actor nails it like interrupting her crying with pained screams I'm like yes I'm buying it you're doing such a good job all here have an Oscar for this board games movie right. <laughs> uh. So and then when the mother oh, gets stabbed, she can see Ghost Doris and Ghost Dad, who I've apparently are a okay and off to heaven. <laughs> but if that's the case, why is Doris still full of demons and running around at the end? <laughs> Complicated. That that might have been like the one studio thing. Like, eh, let's give him something for the next movie. Mm-hmm. Even though yeah. if you guys stayed after the credits, there was a scene there too. Yeah, I, I saw that thought and about I it and said, it was "No, about. my time is worth more than this." <laughs> It's a tie into the first movie that I didn't understand. <laughs> right, yeah, that was like, yeah, like that in the very, very end of the movie where like the two, like, eh, that's maybe like when the producers actually got involved. Cause like, I feel like the rest of the movie, like, Mike Flanagan is like, I just want to do this. And like, are Ouija's going to be factored in the movie? Yeah, like, I, I got, okay, whatever. Just do whatever yeah. you want. And then, Here's but, a bunch of our like anniversary edition '60s style Ouija boards. Right. <laughs> just mention the rules. Uh, play the game a couple times. Uh, I don't know. Just have fun. Make you run out of blood on the floor. Yeah, right. that was probably that was one of the uh, more unsettling, cool moments. Is Lena in the mental hospital? Oh, we get a skip forward, and she's like, "My mom? What? I don't. What are you talking about? Like, she can't remember that she killed her mom because she's all crazy." Uh, I'm talking to the, the head crazy doctor, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah whatever you call those guys. But then she rips up the carpet in her room and makes a Ouija board out of blood and a planchette out of a lens from glasses in her hands. And that moment is really cool, and I like it a yeah. lot. Uh, and the movie should have ended there, but it didn't. Yes, well, I could have gone far enough that when the doctor's walking by and he walks by the room and sees, I guess it's Doris, I couldn't really tell when he walked by, and then goes back to look at her. If they had just entered at that part, I would have been okay with that as well. See, yeah, that way, he sees the two the sisters. That is, yeah. that is too I far. <laughs> I honestly thought the movie was going to end when she like had the bloody Ouija board and she like asked, like, are you there? And I thought it was just going to, like, it was hold on that for a while. It would perfectly fine to, in there, too. It would move up to, like, yes, and it would just cut the black. Yeah. Like I thought, I honestly thought that was going to be the end of the movie. But yeah, they had that whole extended thing yeah. with Doris and stuff, which really wasn't well, necessary. We need one more jump scare here, guys. Right? Yeah, kids ain't can, loving this enough. You can see the moment where Mike Flanagan wanted it to end, which is like the Inception X Men Three ending of like, is the planchette going to move? Is it going to move? Mm-hmm. Cut. Right. Uh, but instead cut to the doctor walks down the hallway, sees the sisters sitting on the bed together, goes back and looks. Lena is, like, way up against the window, pan over, and we see Doris running upside down on the ceiling towards the doctor. Cut to credits. Yeah, it's weird, because, like, I just saw The Descent recently for my um, 30 days of, 31 Days of Horror, and, like, that movie has, like, an ending that, like, there's, like, an ending that, that clearly the filmmaker wanted to have, and then there's, like, an ending the studio wanted, and I guess, like, all yeah. It's like backwards because like the original director's ending is longer. It's like an extra little bit, and and the post the theatrical where it just cuts off. I don't really want. I don't know how many listeners have actually seen that movie or not. But well, they had to yeah. make that sweet descent to money, so you got to have right. it continue. Yeah, uh, go. I I'll recommend the descent. Go see that. Oh, uh, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, Paranormal Activity, the first one, has a very definitive ending, and then once it was successful and got wide release, they were like, uh, film a new ending that will let us make a sequel? Right. <laughs> uh, so this, they just kind of preempt that. Oh, uh, and then the post credit scene is, I guess, from the middle of Ouija 2, where Lena, played by an old lady uh, in 2013 is visited by the main characters from that movie and tells them to cut the strings on Doris's mouth, which they shouldn't have done because it lets the demons that were right. trapped in her free. And I think that old lady's a, the old lady from Insidious or something. She's a, she's in other horror movies, I know. Yeah, she. I, I remember when I looked on her Wikipedia page, she was credited as a scream queen of some note. Famous old lady. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's in Insidious, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Who is she in Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, A younger old lady? When did that movie come out? She's a teacher in Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) She's just credited as teacher. (laughs) Was Nightmare on Elm Street 82? Uh, 84. Ooh, that was close. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, Ouija Origin of Evil, and we're, we're coming up on an hour here, so I want to wrap it up and let you guys get out of here. Uh, well, what did we think of this movie, first of all? Uh, it was much better than it had any right to be. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Well, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, like, for a movie that's based on a board game and produced by Michael Bay and the is a prequel to a movie that just was not very good, like, it is just a surprise hit all around. Like, it's a genuinely good movie. Yeah, this was one I was going to skip uh, until I, like, Mike Flanagan, I guess I trust him. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan of Oculus as I know a lot of other people are. Uh, I feel like it just kind of loses its way uh, towards the end, but, like, it's artfully directed and well made, maybe I'll go see this Ouija movie. Yeah, he's oh, kind of an it, act three problem with all his films. Yeah, mm. I was about to say, all of his movies like, at least that I've seen, kind of like, have a disappointing ending compared to the build-up of the first two acts. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Oculus was one where I just wanted the whole movie to be about adults trying to prove that they had, like, a poltergeist situation when they were kids, and it ended up being, like, something else. Uh, anyway, this movie, uh, I was gonna skip it, and then I saw that it had an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes before it came out, or no, 91% before it came out, I think it's down near the mid-80s now, uh, and I'm like, uh, excuse me? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I saw it, and then we do, uh, spookiest parts. Will, give us your spookiest part. Uh, I think, for me, the part that, like, kind of got under my skin the most was, like, that first scene where, like, she, after she had the neck injury, Doris, like, was walking and she saw the spirit for the first time. 
because I wasn't really expecting to see the like the spirit that clearly. And just mm. we like see it, and it just like goes in her face, and it just like her chin goes to sense for the first time. It just kind of, I mean, because it built up to that moment, it didn't really have any prominent jump scares or anything before that, so it, it really earned that moment. And I thought that was creepy. Yeah, it was really cool because it was just like a sense of menace there. It's like uh, like the moment in every paranormal activity where uh, something undeniably supernatural happens, like all the cabinets fly open or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that was a really good version of whatever that trope is called. <laughs> Shit hits a fan? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly the right description for it. Yeah, I would uh, say Derek, that was fine you? as well. And also, like, it was a pretty neat demon, because it was all kind of, like, greasy, which I had not seen before. Yeah, it, uh, it's nice to see a demon that uh, that looks cool, because usually your best bet is don't show the ghost or demon or whatever. Right. Like, I watched Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension because I have, I have leftover affection for that franchise because the first one is an absolute masterpiece and the second one is pretty good, but none of the other ones are good. I like the third one, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, the third one has some really great moments in it, but overall I just don't like the plot of it, which seems like a weird complaint for Jump Scares the movie. <laughs> you think about it, I, these Paranormal Activity three and uh, this movie are kind of similar in some ways. Just as prequels that kind of like oh, go yeah. at a different time and stuff, and just focus like on like the mythos as opposed to like the character. But yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's funny because like in that movie, you already know like oh, Katie's gonna be haunted later. Uh, so it's and, and in this one, I mean, you don't necessarily know, but uh, I get it's weird how much this movie presumes that it's for the audience of Ouija. Right. It's not. It's <laughs> it's for everyone. Go see it because it's for anyone. Don't see Ouija. See Ouija: Origin of Evil. Yeah, it's yeah. probably better you just go into this not knowing anything about the Ouija at all. Yeah, I think that this movie is better if you don't know what's going to happen in it. And I will say, if you want to see it, I'd say see it in theaters because, like, they, um, I'm pretty sure it was shot digitally, but they make it, like, look like it was shot on film, like, to oh, yeah. the point they where they had, like, little, little cigarette burns up in the corner. Yeah, like, the, yeah. the camera, like, shake a little bit. And, like, it feels like if you're watching a theater and, like, it feels like you're, like, in, like, an old, like, old fashioned movie theater, which adds to the, like, 60s feel that they're going for. So, yeah, they put up the old Universal splash and the, uh, old style title card. Right. I, I thought both of those were really great. Oh, the end um, credits kind of throw that off, though. They're like, nah, we're not going <laughs> to be 60s anymore we're doing a modern yeah it's just gonna be iron man credits (laughs) but the end credits like after that like it's kind of cool because it's like like through an oval glass so it kind of like bends up and down Oh yeah i did like that yeah like oh we're looking at the credits through the planchette right well it looks like it costs nine million to make and it's so far made 22 million so we'll probably get a ouija origin of evil 2 at this point Bring back yeah, we're, again. No? we're definitely going to get more Ouija movies. I hope that they get uh, that they continue to hire auteurs to make them. They have one like every decade, like the seventies Ouija movie and the eighties Ouija movie. <laughs> oh, that would be great! Yeah, we'll get James McAvoy to play young Ouija. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am. If if any Ouija movies come out and they learned the right lessons from this one, uh, they will be good. Um, for my scariest moment, it was definitely that scene I mentioned earlier where uh, the boyfriend, what's-his-face, uh, boy haircut, uh, <laughs> is reaching his arm into the Nazi hole, and you're like, oh, he's gonna get his arm totally bitten off by, like, a Nazi demon. But now he just, like, finds a skull and some IDs and stuff. But, like, just all the different faces that Doris makes over his shoulder, especially the, like twitchy Babadook smile face is just so creepy to me. Uh, And I feel like I'm probably uh, the exact target audience for that moment of the film. Uh, Let's get into plugs, and we'll wrap this up. We're just at the one-hour mark. Uh, Will, why don't you tell the people where they can find you if you would like them to do so? Yeah, you can find me. I I write for a lot of different sites. I write for Cut Print Film, The Playlist. We got this covered. Um, If you just want to follow my work, go to twitter.com and type in at the Will Vash, and you can follow me and find all my writings and musings, or just friend me on Facebook. I'll accept your friend request. Ooh, daring. Uh, Derek, how about you? Where can the people find you in the ways you would like them to find you? Uh, I 
also have a horror podcast entitled The Horror of Nachos and Hamatashin with my friend J.R. Hamatashin, who is a writer of weird fiction that I who books I recommend. And it is the number one Hamatashin podcast on iTunes, which if that's how you want to look for it. And I also <laughs> write for Nachronomics and have written uh, The Field Guide to Nachos, Nachos and You Living Your Life the Nacho Way, and the upcoming Recipes from the Nachronomicon. <laughs> For all your nacho bunch of nacho books. <laughs> yep. Now, are these about nachos? They are about nachos. Uh, okay. The field guide to nachos <laughs> is about the history of nachos. Nachos on you about is about living your life the nacho way. And the upcoming recipes from the Nacho Namicon is a cookbook of nachos. I'm so, glad that none of them contain a nacho cheese pun, like not your cheese. Oh no, no, there are no nacho cheese puns <laughs> in any of my work. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on Nacho Libre? Uh, well, it does bring up a lot of stuff from the history of nachos, as it is based off of Ignacio Anaya, who created the nacho back in 1943. But it is on separate entity. <laughs> Now, is nacho just a generic name for any crispy corn tortilla chip? Uh, no, or that's just specifically... a corn tortilla chip. Okay, it's specifically the dish of those with toppings baked. Yes, a lot of people will say chips and dip are nachos. No, not the case at all. Entirely uh, wrong. Those are chips ooh. and dip. If you have to take a chip with nothing on it and put it into something, that is not a nacho. If you can lift up a chip and there's stuff on it, that's a nacho. <laughs> uh, now, are your feelings on Doritos nacho cheese flavor this in-depth? Well, nacho in that case is just an adjective. If it's nachos, that's an item. Nacho by itself, adjective. That's fair. What do you think Uh, about that director, Nacho... Nacho Vitalondo of Time Crimes? (laughs) Time Crimes, that colossal movie that kind of came out. I like Time Crimes. (laughs) The one about the aliens was okay. Extraterrestrial? Yes, that was the one. I like that, uh, much like me with creepypastas, you have chosen an incredibly specific... Uh, uh, item out in the world to be the uh, the expert on. Yep, I'm the John Hodgman of Nacho, some have said. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so go check all that stuff out. It's plenty for you to chew on. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, you can find me, as usual, funtimes.online aka weaponizedlanguage.com Listen to my Pokemon podcast, Someone's PC, where I have me and two friends review all the Pokemon in order. Or Seeing Reddit, where we review random subreddits uh i guess i do a lot of reviewing because i feel like my opinions are important oh it's what's the opposite of dunning kruger effect uh where i'm really good and i think that i'm great uh no (laughs) it's just the regular one anyway follow me on twitter j3fk snapchat instagram jeffjk and remember the three rules never play alone never play in a graveyard and always say goodbye Thank you.